I think the first time I came across you and met you in person was in if this is right 2011 at GDC, and you had a um, you were part of a game panel, a video game panel, with a bunch of other great guys. I feel like uh, your involvement in and out of the video game scene has been incredibly prolific. You've had some really amazing titles. You've been part of the Halo franchise, um, PUBG, Wolfenstein, Ghost Recon. I mean, just to name a few. But for you, look between when I saw you, when I spoke with you last in 2011 to now, how would you describe the last handful of years? What, what, what's been exciting for you? What, what are the types of projects that you've been kind of digging into? Wow, it's been a roller coaster ride. I mean, I'm just having a good time. I have this bad habit of just doing things I love to do and and, fi and, fi and just finding ways to combine things I love to do, right? So, um, well, I'd say it's been divided amongst several things. Certainly, I always have my uh, foot in video games and always have something going on in that world. Um, I, I come from a songwriting music production background, so there's always something that's outside of video games, whether it be, you know, creating songs, working on records, doing film trailer music, doing themes, um, let's see, what else, my goodness, um, I always have some side hobbies and, and things like that that are also kind of, floating around orbiting this this world uh, whether it come whether it's my recent podcast that I'm doing now or my Twitch channel or or you know some things that always involve some degree of music video games or uh, sometimes just 80s nostalgia since I've been really getting getting back into a lot of that which is really my roots when I started in music um, but uh, yeah I mean kind of all over the place man we could we Talk about whatever you'd like. Yeah, I would love just to um, give people an understanding of your setup because you're at home. Uh, it's a home studio, or yes, the studio is uh, basically attached to my home. It's a separate place, uh, but it, it's part. It's built right connected to my home. And how have you found? I mean, just building that space because uh, for folks who don't know, you're not in LA. Where are you? <laughs> That's correct. Uh, I am East Coast. I'm just north of New York City, so I'm in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, which is Lower Fairfield County, Connecticut. For those who are familiar with the area, but I'm kind. It's kind of like a satellite of New York City. So you know, there's people that are in New Jersey or you know New York proper or Queens, Connecticut. Uh, so I'm, I'm still just a short ride from Manhattan. What do you appreciate about, about that separation right now? Like, what is it? I mean, a studio could be anywhere, uh, right. you know, yeah. my studio is, you know, is, is in Northern California and yet we all work remotely. What, what have you found has been like the good combination of, of being where you are? Yeah. So as a creative person, I really love being, uh, living in a quiet, removed location. You know, I'm kind of hidden back in the trees. I have like a, you know, so I'm kind of surrounded by a forest and things like that. So you wouldn't even know I am where I am. Um, but I also have the convenience of being close to everything. I can, I can literally walk within a mile and, you know, every store, everything you can ever imagine is right there. And then I'm, I'm less than an hour from Manhattan. So anytime I got to get in there and have meetings, whether it be record companies or performances I have to attend or, or things, you know, I'm right near Manhattan. Plus, I have that whole endless talent pool that can come right up to my studio or I can come into the city. So I always like being near um, a city like that. And, and New York is is 
fantastic. You know, there's nothing like it. So uh, it it it's like the best of both worlds. Mm. When you look around in your studio, of all the gear and all the things that you've surrounded yourself with, how do you kind of summarize kind of where your gear is at today and your setup? Like, what's the combination of software versus hardware and yeah, uh, in that direction? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, really, the nuts and bolts of what I do is pretty much software. It's pretty much in the box. Uh, right now, the hardware that I have surrounding me is stuff that I think just makes me happy. Um, so I have my prized, you know, mini Moog. Uh, I have a, like a Profit uh, tabletop Rev 2. I have a Matrix Brute. I have my museum of keyboards that I grew up with over the years from my first keyboard in 1985, which is a Roland JX3P. You know, things I had on tour when I was with Bobby Brown, like the D70. Uh, a Juno 106, which is the first keyboard I ever heard in my life, and this one belonged to the Pet Shop Boys. So, you know, it's more like nostalgia for me as far as the hardware goes and just inspirational. I mean, it is kind of nice to look around and have knobs and lights and faders that move and things around you, but quite frankly, you don't need that. You you can just do it all in the box today, and, and, and most of my, you know, day-to-day gear, so to speak, quote-unquote gear, is really in the box. I mean, I do everything in the box. I mix um, everything, pretty much. So, you know, I always have good, uh, you know, like I'm speaking to you now, I have a really nice microphone, really good tube mic, you know, certain select gear, or control surface, some choice synthesizers, some modules I won't let go of, but, you know, the action is really happening in the box. What, what time of the day, and this is just my own personal interest, what time of the day do you find yourself most productive or what's the combination of when you just have to get the work done you don't have a, a looming deadline yeah when, when, when do you find that you can really dig in and and get some quality work done i'll proceed that answer by saying that it's changed over the years i think it has a lot to do with where you are in life perhaps your age perhaps your situation whatever it is so these days i guess you'd say my schedule is kind of boring and routine in the sense that you know i do have that routine i get up in the morning uh, I do my morning routines and stuff like that. Um, then I try to get in the studio, you know, nine, ten o'clock. I try to crank out a lot of the most important work before lunchtime if I can. Then I'll work right, right up until dinner. And if you know, if I'm not on a looming crazy deadline and things aren't going um, absolutely out of control schedule-wise, which they usually are not, if I'm smart about managing my time, then I, I like to stop. I usually like to stop by dinner and then spend time with my kids and family and and chill and you know, mentally charge for the next day and and get to bed, you know, sort of like a normal time, ten, eleven o'clock, and then start over, you know, early in the morning again. Yeah. And how do you find just um, collaboration wise of working when you are doing records? How do you like to structure those sessions? But you know, even for like a video game project, what point? Do you like to take it out of your studio and and start introducing other players and live musicians? Yeah, well, uh, these days I only take it out of the studio if I need to. A lot of times it, it, that has to do with timing and budget, okay? Because anytime you need to, you know, rent a room or anything like that, there's money involved just for the space itself. And unless that's absolutely needed, there's no reason to kind of spend the money on on locations that you don't really need. Um in my world, things that happen outside of my studio are like a remote orchestral session. Or I just had a recording session with one of my musical heroes, Greg Philagaines, on the on the 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 song I wrote and which ended up being the theme for that 
TV show I'm an executive producing called Dance It Out. And uh, we didn't have time for me to fly out or the, the, the money to fly him to me. So we literally did a remote session. He was in Los Angeles. I was over here. Um, you know, sometimes I will have people come here if they are local. It's always better to work in person. Mm. So if there's an instrumentalist or a singer and they live, you know, an hour or two from me, uh, I'll invite them to my studio and I can usually be much more efficient. And, and I like that kind of uh, working together in person. That's the way it used to be. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was doing that all the way up until the early 2000s. It'll always be in person. Um, but I like the having the flexibility of being able to choose people not based on their location, but if they're the perfect person for the job. So it doesn't matter where they are in the world. I, I recorded stuff with people in 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 Turkey. I remember there was a live. He was in his apartment in Turkey recording vocals during Ramadan, and I hear every fifteen minutes, ah, 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 you know, in the background, I was like, "This is incredible! Like you could do that these days." Um, so I'll have remote sessions anywhere in the world, um, but when possible, I always love the uh, the FaceTime, and I mean literally FaceTime, not the Apple technology. Yeah. So um, this past year, it looks like you know you had the release in July for Wolfenstein Youngblood. For you, when did that project um, first hit your desk, and wh what would you say now that the project obviously has been out? I mean, it's it's you have a little more perspective on it. Um, what what's unique do you think about video game music today in terms of do you see a shift in the amount of time you have with projects are are those game life cycles still the same as they were in the past like what's what's the reason to take take away from that release uh i think that the 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 time that i have to spend on a project has everything to do with the developer um some developers like bringing a composer in bright and early uh at the beginning of the project and some are just in this this uh this um i'd say project timeline where they bring the composer in right at the last possible moment when everything is pretty much finalized uh and it's a race to the finish i've been in both situations um and everything in between so i i wouldn't really generalize to say that these days the industry is more like this or that i think it, it really comes down to the developers you are working with uh, some of them just do that last minute and some of them just like to you know, have that long lead up. Uh, I personally have never worked on something over the course of more than six six months. You know, may, maybe a little bit more in the case of Killer Instinct, but that sort of doesn't count because every character had its own timeline. So, you know, character one began and then character eight was way later. Yeah, and then something that I think just recently happened was a Game SoundCon in LA, which um, you know Brian Schmidt has been putting together for a few years, and I think it's like a really great resource for people. What have you seen like for resources like that now that we're having these kind of summits and opportunities? There's you know there's GDC, there's PAX, there's opportunities for you guys to get out there. Yeah, how has that interaction do you think uh, kind of changed how you how you think about uh, the, at least the video game work? I love it because it gives me a chance to interface with people who love the work and, and I get to see the impact it has. I get to see how it's inspired people. And now that I've been in the business for so long, some of the people that are sitting at my lectures or panels come up to me later and they're like, you know what, I, I, I remember playing you know, Red Steel back in 2004 or whatever, and it really inspired me. So I'm starting to see these 
it's almost like these generations, like now that the previous generation that was kids playing when I started in games is now becoming the professional generation. And uh, it's very fulfilling. So I, I really like it because it's like this ever-expanding family. You know, now I go to universities and I'm, and I'm speaking to people less than half my age, uh, whereas when I started, that wasn't the case, right? So um, it's, it, and it's really nice because it, it gives me a chance to, to give back in, in different ways and share, uh, you know, wisdom, let's say, that, that I've, per se, that I've, uh, that I've gathered over decades now. Um, and I don't know, it just keeps me involved. It keeps me young and relevant. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the energy. I enjoy the, the, the two way communication and, and looking at people in the face and you know, that, that it's, it's all good. Well, uh, how do you separate just the difference, the business side of getting in the creative, the creative business side of doing the work? And then just kind of this, all these other elements, you mentioned Twitch, you mentioned a podcast, you mentioned even executive producing this TV show, like there's other elements to being a composer which weren't necessarily at our disposal like there are now. So hmm. what, what do you appreciate just about kind of this new canvas that we're kind of presented with? One thing I've noticed is that when you look at people who are really at the top of their game uh, in any field, you'll generally find, generally, that they are involved in lots of different things that, that kind of feed off of each other. Um whether it be a hobby or whether it be a, another part of their professional career. And I think it just helps round the person out, keeps you fresh and relevant and ever-evolving. And, um, I mean, those opportunities, I think, are more prevalent today than ever before given the technology that we have in the Internet because you have a wider reach. So there's a lot more things you can do from your own studio, um, So, which is – great i mean it's almost i don't think people maybe even appreciate that as much you know i came from the generation i was a professional when there was no such thing as the internet you know so it's like you have this thing now it's like oh my god it's like you know the the opportunities are endless so i think it's good i don't know if i answered your question perhaps but <laughs> that was great <laughs> i think it's great i am just i'm imagining uh, the year and the amount of time that one has to work on a project. Um, what do you appreciate, I guess, just about this community? Because I, I feel like they are a community that is so deeply connected to uh, the work that you guys are doing. Yes, uh, and I'm glad you, you mentioned the community because in the video game world, the community is like no other in the entertainment business. Um, I, I see this every year and and inevitably someone comes up to me and we're kind of looking around, whether it's at a conference or whatever, and we're looking around, we're talking like, you know what? You don't get this vibe anywhere else. The vibe that you get in the video game world uh, is a vibe of much more family and, and supportive of each other, less cutthroat. I mean, there's always a bit of that, but I kind of avoid that and it's not as prevalent. I mean, people are much more apt to share information openly as opposed to the record business and the film business where people are just like, "No, I'm not going to I'm not going to help you. You're my enemy. Uh, I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to, you know, work around and, you know, backstab and and I can't I can't live like that. That's not why I do what I do. 
You know, I, I get up in the morning because I love doing what I do. I, I don't get up in the morning thinking like, oh, well, who's my competition and who can I one up today? You know, I, I, I kind of have this view of the world that there's more than enough to go around. And if you're doing what you're meant to be doing, things are just going to align and there's going to be enough for you to to express yourself and, and live your purpose. So um, and I don't know, it just feels much more family like. And and that's one of the reasons I like it so much, besides the fact that I've been an avid video game player since I was a little kid. So and, and I love music, so why not do both? Like how 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 is the video game industry gonna evolve? What have you seen is asking you're being asked of? Because I look at the the one project, you know, even working on like on, on player unknown battlegrounds on PUBG. That to me was like it was before we started recording. You just mentioned like you, they, only, they only use part of your queue, and it's for the main menu. But it's like for some, I, I know for some gamers, like knowing your association with that franchise is, is a huge, <laughs> huge plus. And it's just like it's so funny how uh, you know uh, these kind of titles have the impact of them on on our childhood or you know on on. Yeah. This amazing community. Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me the impact it has. You know, people will come up to me again like and you know say, "Well, I remember, you know, Need for Speed Underground 2. That was I I used to that that was like my life in the weekends or I remember it got this game got me through a hard time or, you know, it just brings back some good memories playing Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands and, you know, or I remember this and it's like, you know, I'm 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 starting to see this now um now that I've been in this for in games for almost two decades, I guess you'd say, uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it's it's rewarding, and and it, it reminds me that you know this is this is helping put a little happiness and joy back into the world, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. You'd mentioned before we started recording, which was how you balance out. You know, there's a lot of video game work that you do, but then there's also a lot of music library work that you've yeah. also kept really busy with. Yeah. What is it about that that type of work? How do you describe that type of work, and what do you appreciate just having kind of a non-specific project that you're, I mean, sometimes there is a, a, call, a specific thing you're needing, but yeah. what is it about doing work that is for music libraries that you, you enjoy? Well, it, because it lets you exercise your creativity without the restrictions of a particular project, you know, like without boundaries. Like I can say, well, you know, today I want to, I want to do some scary music or I want to do some heroic or big, or, you know, I want to do this, this eerie thing, whatever it is, you can kind of do it. And then, you know, if you're lucky, um, you can, um, get it placed in something that you might not have expected. Um, it's great. And then another great thing about it is that, you can make money from things that you've done in the past and, and that can generate recurring revenue. So as a, as a business person, that's very important to diversify because games are notorious uh, business-wise because they are generally work for hire. Um, so f most composers are not making uh, any uh, revenue royalties uh, beyond just the initial work that they do, regardless of how many millions of copies it sells. So if you're going to be professional, you gotta you got to be smart about it and look for ways to use your skill sets to diversify and uh, diversify your revenue streams. Yeah, some of the placements you had recently, you had this the, the, the Ride of the Valkyrie for the... Uh... Mm. Yeah, Apocalypse Now Final Cut trailer, and yeah. also the uh, and recently I guess with Jordan Peele's new series, the Amazon Prime One Hunters. Mm -hmm. Is it more exciting to be a part of a a project that maybe doesn't take as long as a game does? Like, is it is it rewarding in different ways? Do you it is rewarding in different ways. You know, I I wish I enjoyed the process more because, quite frankly, 
I could probably be making a lot more money just doing licensing than than doing video games, but I do video games because I love it. Yeah. Uh, and it exercises a part of my person uh, to, you know, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes I do realize like, wow, I got, I did that in one day and I just got half of the entire fee that I would have gotten for this whole entire video game that would take me three months of work. You know, so uh, it, it reminds me, it's like, you know, you're not just doing this to make money. Mm -hmm. You're doing this because you love it. You're doing it because you love the world of video games. You love the the people. You love the process. It, it you, It's what you do. You'd be doing it for free anyway, right? These are the things that I have to remind myself. Um, it's part of who I am. And, you know, sometimes great. I, I can get lucky. I can create a piece of music in, in a day or two and it, you know, generate, it gets placed in something humongous and that's wonderful and that's great, but I'm not just here. I'm not just a money-making machine just to crank out music sure. and just make money. I mean, that's, I don't do this for the money. <laughs> just, just ask my wife. That would not be why I do what I do. And, uh, I do it cause I love it and I'm meant to be doing it. What are some of the places where you find inspiration or you just as a fan is it in video games, TV or um, you know music or movies. Where do you find yeah. yourself kind of grab? What, what type of stuff do you gravitate towards? All of the above, you know, in different areas. You know, some people say, "Well, who's your favorite artist?" And I'd always have a trouble, uh, a hard time a answering that question. Um, but you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, you know, I, I seem to come back to certain artists like Peter Gabriel. So in the music world, I'd say Peter Gabriel's an inspiration to me. Not that my stuff always sounds like him, certainly not, but. But I resonate a lot with his artistic, perhaps, in, um, approach to things. He he always tends to not take the, the he always tends to take the road less traveled. He he always tends to be a trendsetter. He's always like not worried about the mainstream. He kind of has like this artistic voice. He's just a p true artist, and. Um, and so that's I, I gravitate toward that. I, I resonate with that way of thinking and and, and uh, creative approach to things. I mean, movies. Again, I don't have you know my favorite movies go back to when I was a kid. So Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, that doesn't mean that you know the music that I do today sounds like John Williams. No, certainly not. But it you know I do find myself um, you know creating things that perhaps might been inspired by these things. But, you know, when you absorb and you're an active listener, uh, as I am, whether it's stuff that you hear on the radio or just albums or movies or 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 video games, um, you, you generally just absorb. It's like this constant influence of inspirations that, that change over time. And, and as a creator, I think you always are constantly evolving. I think it's, you know, if you're not evolving, if you're not growing, you're dying. So uh, I, I choose the former. Um, and so really, I'm just constantly inspired by, you know, the new trends, the new artists, the new movies, but also appreciating the old and not losing those early influences. How, how do you find just the ebb and flow of projects that you're pitching for or actually working on? Like when... And how do you feel like you're working at in your flow state in your best ah. in your best yeah like, what's the combination of being busy or too busy like what, yeah. what's your preference that's a good question yeah I mean my preference is not to have too many things at once um, but I don't always get my preference certainly um, you know that's also why it's important to be a good um, 
I guess you'd say manager and being able to kind of leverage uh, different people and teams and, and, and things and kind of oversee when need be. But I'm a hands-on person. I tend to, you know, have a tendency to be a control freak. So I do like, I'd rather take on less and, and focus my time uh, working on it rather than just turning into a factory of a lot of other people that I'm just, you know, managing and overseeing. Because, again, I do this because I love it. I'm not doing it to just turn it into this big corporation model. Um so I, I'd say I usually like working on a few things, you know, not necessarily one thing at once. Because in games, a lot of times I'm working a little faster than the client can. Because game making games is a slow process. So, you know, if they say, hey, we need this tension music or this battle thing, you know, I'll have that done in a day or two. And, and, and then I'm like, okay, next, you know. Um, so I, I can work pretty fast when need be. Um, so I like having enough going on, but not too much. Mm-hmm. It just there's there's always a kind of balance, and it doesn't always work out that way. How often do you find that you're reaching out uh, to folks uh, like in inward outward bound versus inward bound of of being able if you know a title? I mean, do you ever feel like you're able to do that if you know a game is out that you're able to reach out to a publisher through the right channels? Like, how, how do you describe that? Uh, you know, usually speaking, I don't find myself in situations where I'm reaching out in order to ask about doing a certain project. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, I've been busy enough, um, working on things where people have approached me or my agent, um, or other things that I'm working on or keeping me busy. Uh, and a lot of times in games, by the time you hear about something, even myself being quote unquote, an insider, uh, a lot of times it's too late. A lot of times they've already chosen the person they want to work with. Um, so I'd say it's it's more of traffic, kind of incoming traffic, rather than me having to go out and and approach people and say, hey, can I work on that? Hey, can I work on this? You know, my job is to just make sure I keep my relationships, you know, up to date and 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 stay in touch with my friends and colleagues who I've known for years and years, and and usually it's just natural that an extension of that is going to be, hey, by the way. I'm working on this or we have this thing coming up next year you might be interested in. And, you know, I kind of keep things alive that way. So for, for you looking ahead for the new year, I mean, obviously <laughs> my favorite thing, yeah. asking, you know, we can't talk about what you're working on. Uh, but when you are working on a new project and you're in that kind of gestation period of working through the initial steps, yeah. how do you describe just the ramp up of initial kind of giving people ideas mm-hmm. which is somewhat kind of like tent music but uh, yeah. for people who aren't familiar with the production cycle for a video game how, how do yeah. you like to collaborate with your publishers and your game companies and what do you find is usually kind of the the best approach at least for your process uh, yeah the best approach is also the approach that i love the most which is i i'm able to come in at a stage early enough to contribute some of my ideas Mm-hmm. Um, and also where the client will have enough ideas to kind of get the ball in motion. And usually it's that combination of their ideas with my ideas that yields the best results. And uh, it's great to have enough time to explore those ideas. So when I when I give a lot of lectures and talks about my creative process, I always say that the first step is the R&D phase. 
which is the phase where I, I hold back purposely from recording music, creating themes and music, and I, and I focus more on absorbing and getting inspired by things. So whether it be, you know, listening to and looking at all of the 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 artwork for a game if they don't have you know captures of stuff you know concept art uh perhaps digging into the inspirations of the game a lot of times you know games are inspired by movies or other games or you know and figuring out what that formula is and uh for me that's the gestation period it's like just letting it simmer in your brain and it's like oh i'm doing you know a game that's just like, you know, Wolfenstein, right? I was doing a game that was, you know, 80s inspired, but it was like a post-punk early 80s and, you know, l looking back at the previous titles and maybe thinking about other movies that kind of dip their toe in those areas or movies in the early 80s that might share some overlap with creative style or musical style. And I kind of dive in and listen and absorb. And a lot of times it's in those quiet moments in the morning or in the evening that an idea might come to mind and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to take this approach or infuse this influence or that influence? And, you know, it's when we share those ideas. So I'm at that early stage right now with the current project and just literally like just reading through the briefs and being like, oh, OK, so it's a little of this. It takes place in this time frame, in this area. Oh, I like that. It reminds me of a combination of this movie and that. And I wonder if we can maybe, you know, try something a little different and. You know, so I kind of enjoy that artistic, creative phase rather than the cookie cutter, oh, it's another one of these, let's just do that again. I don't like that. That I'm bored when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. For the folks who haven't had the opportunity to, you know, be in this industry, what to you was kind of like the real kind of milestone? I think maybe like something when you, re when, when you saw something with a new perspective or when just grinding like what would what would be your one tip to, to someone who's interested in getting into video game music how does one make that leap in today's kind of world because you know when need for speed underground 2 was 2004 <laughs> this is a very different landscape than where we're at today with video games and kind of what's expected um yeah. what what catches your attention when you know for someone who's looking to get into this industry all right well for anyone that's trying to get into the industry um i will always say look like anything else in life, it is all about relationships. So you need to build relationships in this industry. And one way to do that uh, is to go to certain conferences and, and, and you know events that attract other people from the industry who are doing what you want to do. Um, I always say, you know, surround yourself with the people who are doing what you want to do. You know, the conditions you surround yourself with will generally rub off on you. And, 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 and another side effect is you make, relationships you make friends you, you start seeing the people that you like and perhaps the ones that you don't resonate with and you start to just build these relationships and over time eventually we all like working with our friends so I, i'd say really that's that's the 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 social aspect of it and as far as everything else uh there's more information and resources to learn about how to do this than there ever has been in history so I almost laugh and shake my head when someone says, well, how do I learn how to do it? I'm like, really? Do you not know what Google is? <laughs> do you not know what YouTube is? I mean, take initiative, man. You know, uh, so there's tons of uh, endless resources for ways to learn techniques and, and how people do this stuff and endless interviews and 
you know, stuff like that. So it's all out there. Just dig in and do it. When people do reach out to you, what's the combination of, of like the reality? I mean, I, even in my position, I get people who say, you know, I, I would like to work with you. I'd like to collaborate with you. Like, how, how does that in your mind really make sense? Or when, when has it ever worked out? Like, is that yeah. is that approach even feasible? Uh, it is very feasible. Uh, it often doesn't work out. And I, I think it usually doesn't work out for a combination of reasons. But let me focus on the, the reasons that were the ways it does work yeah. out, perhaps to be yeah, more yeah, positive sure. about it. Um, I'd say that uh, I have worked with people and hired people who have literally approached me that I've never heard of. That has happened. Um, but that's far and few in between. And it has everything to do with the right combination of people skills, um, the right uh, the right timing. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be the perfect person, but if if it's a year too early or a year too late, it, it has to apply to what you're doing at that moment. You know, composers are really busy, so you know if you do one kind of music and they're not working on anything that has anything to do with that, then it's not the right timing. But that doesn't mean you you don't stay in touch. So I think the 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 people where these 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 situations do work out is it has to do with being in the right place at the right time or reaching out, uh, not being too pushy, but also not trying once and then saying, Oh, it didn't work. Forget it. <laughs> I think most people fall into that category. It's like, you know, you, you say, you give the polite response. Thanks for reaching out. Your stuff sounds good. Um, but, uh, right now is not the right time. It's, you know, but please keep in touch. And 90% of the time I never hear from them again. It's like, Okay, well, if if you're not going to have that uh, much initiative, then you're not going to make it anyway. So I think the people who do make it have that that the people skills, they have the persistence, they have the talent, and they have the timing. Seems, I mean, seems simple in theory, but for all those things to align, it's it, it seems simple in theory, and the the right chemistry. There's there's also something to be said for that. You know, a lot I can tell a lot about a person when they first approach. You know, most people just talk about themselves. They don't really mention you at all. They'll see like, you know, hey, uh, I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, you know, please help me get in the industry. It's like uh, you and a thousand other people. Sure. Why not? approaching someone and focus on them why not say hey hi uh, such and such i'm familiar with your work i loved your work in this and this and this and that you know make it about them um i would love you know the opportunity if if it would work out to to help you in any way i can this is what i do here's here's uh, some samples you know please keep in touch and you know that that kind of approach uh is generally better and more rare more rare uh, surprisingly did you have a mentor that in your your mind uh, at least helped kind of shepherd you into any aspect? I mean, you've had, you know, a few different kind of opportunities to get your get your feet wet. I mean, even under, you know, the Atlas plug stuff that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a whole, a whole I, other aspect. Yeah. You know, it's important to realize that, you know, when people say, well, I've done it all myself. Um, no, you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. There's always somebody that along the way. So uh, I never had like one of those mentors that was like, you know, this is the person from the beginning to the end has always been like, you know, he just kind of walked me or she walked me through my career and got me to where I am here. No, I don't have that, but I do have mentors and, and teachers along the way. You know, like one of the first people um, in, pro in the professional part of the industry was Danny Lamell. He was the music director on tour with Bobby Brown when I first went on tour. 
you know, he hired me and I, lo- I learned a lot of things about the music business and people skills and professionalism and, 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 and prof- all kinds of lessons learned in my early 20s. Uh, that I still take uh, take with me to this day, um, even though I'm in a completely different part of the industry. Mm. Um, I remember working with uh, a, a incredible musician, uh, a, a, a still a friend to this day, Philippe Sace, one of the world's most incredible keyboard players and, and producer and, and played on tour with people like Sting and everybody else, an amazing person. And, you know, we worked together for years. He, he's more in the... He's still on the jazz charts and an amazing musician. So, you know, and, and I've hired him to work with me on video games as well. So these are different relationships. Uh, my my first agent um, back in the day, Bob Rice, he, he was a mentor to me. Uh, we still re- we're still friends, even though he's not in the business. So he's been a mentor to me as far as teaching me things and people skills and and communication skills. Um, you know, I'm, I, there's always people along the way, but but not like a. Like, this is the person who I was assistant. You know, I hear a lot of times in, with composers, like, I worked alongside Hans Zimmer, and now I'm where I am today. You know, that happens a lot. You see that. That's not my story. Um, I just have teachers along my life in different stages. That's awesome, Tom. It's really heartbreaking when I see people who want to get in the industry, but they don't really know how. Like, they've watched the videos. They've watched, you know, they've gone to the events. They've done everything. Like, it's still not working. And I think um, mm. being just not giving up is is a well, good reminder everybody has a different story and path and and i and i will say um my story the way i kind of got in was 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 unique and but it, it's a testament to persistence and and being creative um i gave a, a tedx talk uh recently about this uh so if you were to ever search my name Mm-hmm. And TEDx, you'll see, uh, you know, I talk about the Atlas plug thing and, and how that was a moment of desperation and, and resourcefulness where I had to figure out a way to kind of cross over the, the, the threshold from the music business into video games. And that was my last ditch attempt to do so using the skills that I had. And I felt incredibly desperate. That's why I called the album Two Days or Die. Um, and I'd say, you know what, if you want it bad enough, if you want it bad enough it's gonna work out it just takes time it takes persistence and focus and not giving up and you can do it <laughs> i love it um, for folks obviously who still can't find you on the web you have your website tom salta yeah <laughs> if you can't find me on the web uh yeah there's a- uh, the most obvious one is tom salta and, and like i said a handful of spots um where where do you like to i i guess i asked this before but what, what do you like going out on Spotify or SoundCloud and listening through stuff? Where do you find yourself kind of perusing on your daily feed? For me, I don't really go on SoundCloud or Spotify just to kind of get lost in other people's music. Um, there's so many other ways that, you know, when I, when I have those free moments uh, that I'm able to use it in a way to just kind of become inspired or relax. Uh, I'm such an active listener that with the time that I free time that I have, I usually use it very deliberately and uh, and it's usually not just going out and discovering new artists um, because that's not what I do. you know I'm not in the business of a and ring and finding new artists. A lot of times 
I have enough reasons to listen and explore based on a current or an upcoming project where I have to go out and find things that are in a certain style or or uh, a certain artist or soundtrack. And I'm, I'm always listening and learning and researching that way. Uh, you know, perhaps I should spend a little more time kind of going back and and, you know, or listening and discovering new things. But I, I think it just finds me. I mean, there, it, it's like everywhere, you know, and, and, and sometimes let's say when I'm driving, if, if I am listening to something, a lot of times I find myself just being nostalgic, you know, and going back to whether 80s music or classic R&B and some of my favorite stuff or classic rock and you know, it's just balancing out with the old and the new and, and what makes me feel good and versus what I'm always, you know, moving forward into the future with. That's awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for chatting to today with me about what you've been up to and kind of where everything is headed. Uh, I'm excited to hear and see what uh, your next project is, especially your TV show. So the, talk to me about the TV show. When is it? It comes out in February, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a, a really... Uh, different thing it's never quite existed like this we call it a moving talk show you know you have all these reality shows where people are being interviewed and that's great and wonderful and then you have you know fitness things but you don't have the combination of the two so this international celebrity superstar dance coach uh fitness um guru called billy blanks jr uh, we became fast friends about two and a half years ago. And, and long story short, we had this opportunity where he was always dreaming about this this kind of a TV show he's always wanted to do. And I was in a position to to invest and become an executive producer along with my wife. And um, we, 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 we got involved in this process where we created this unique fusion of part talk show, part fitness dance along show. And it, it taps into everything I love because... One, he's an amazing person. One, it helps people that are that have challenges in their life, whether they have terminal illnesses or, 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 or challenges in their life. Or what we had a guest, you know, guest from Make a Wish Foundation. We had we had a young man who was born without no without arms, and his mother was born without arms. He was on the show. We have all kinds of guests who we're able through dance and music to bring joy into their lives and to do things and to get up off their feet. And then it gives me an opportunity to to create music for this as well. So not only did I that I co-write the main theme for the show called Dancing Out, which you'll hopefully hear next year, um, but it's also music for the show and meeting all these inspirational people. And it's a reminder how music is like a universal language and it, it just changes people's lives so it's it's not only something you listen to but it's something you get up and dance to and and it just taps into my uh my record production and the fact also i worked in video games on a, a game called just dance uh, coincidentally um so it, it, it's just kind of again it's kind of it ties all in my my world of music and 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 connecting with people so I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be on Lifetime, February 15th, 10.30 a.m. Saturday morning. So it's a perfect slot. Um, Ten episodes starting off for season one. And we'll see where it goes. But you're going to hear a lot more about it. Dance it out with Billy Blinks Jr. Nice. Tom, thank you so much. A lot of fun chatting. And hope to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It was a pleasure. Thank you.